Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Billy Johnston, we are finally back with the fourth episode of King Seat. As always, I'm Flip here with G and Rippy, uh, and we're gonna, you know, dive into this week. Uh, I do want to start by uh, apologizing for the week off that we took. Um, it was just a scheduling thing and, and us trying to shuffle some things around, but. Uh, a lot of people have been asking me what's going on or, like, reaching out to me. Um, so this week I was absent Tuesday. Uh, my grandma is currently in the hospital battling COVID. Um, things got pretty bad earlier this week, so it was best that I took my time to be with my family. Um, I do appreciate everyone reaching out and messaging me and the thoughts and the prayers and everything like that. Like, you guys, you have no idea. Um, another update, too, is... Uh, Kevin Harrington, a lot of you guys have been reaching out to him and his family as we all know that his wife is battling breast cancer. Um, he just wanted to thank you guys as well um, for all the reaching out and, and messages and stuff like that. Whenever something bad happens in our community, um, especially Michigan, uh, a lot of times, you know, we, we either come together for a fundraiser or, you know, just encouragement and support and that goes way beyond the field, um, and I appreciate every one of you. Kevin appreciates you guys. Um, so now, hopefully, uh, going forward, I'll be here and, uh, you know, pray things get better. How have you guys been, man? Great. Like, I haven't seen you in a while. It's been... Yeah, yeah it's been a minute. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling. You guys so like I got it. all right. A thing here i gotta i feel like i gotta do a thing it's like everybody's in widescreen and i'm in like this old school vertical screen thing let me see if i can do it here um so before we get into who the uh the masked the masked voice is yeah <laughs> uh i do want to give a shout out to this week's sponsor which is reamer construction um anything to do with your house your roof siding uh you need new shingles you got a roof leak uh any type of construction build you need Contact Nico Hurd. He is a sales consultant. He will come do a free estimate to get your house taken care of. Nobody wants to be cold in the winter time due to house issues. So I strongly encourage you to call Nico at 313-468-5744 or you can call their office directly at 734-795-6114. There is no harm in getting a free estimate. Set your budget, contact Nico, let Reamer Construction come take care of any issue you have on your house. Nico and Reamer Construction, we appreciate the support, man. You guys are awesome. Give you guys a uh, quick little round of applause. We appreciate you guys. Um, so to jump into our uh, our masked singer, um. If you if you guys didn't see the post earlier, um, unfortunately I wasn't able to make a flyer for it. Uh, we do have Leaf Nemo. Uh, he is Anarchy's CMO. This guy has more hats than my closet does uh, when it comes to the title game. So without further ado, let's welcome on Mr. Mr. Nemo. Round of applause for Nemo one time. What's going on, gentlemen? Yeah. 
How are you, man? Thanks for coming on this evening, buddy. Good, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. This is the most official production I think I've ever been a part of. Commercials like, <laughs> flying across here, man. I'm like, that might be on pay per view or something. Like, this is the real deal. Had to drop bombs right. one time for us on that one. Yeah. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, thank that. you. This is awesome. We uh we, we definitely like to take our time and put a little effort into this whole whole production. So who's your little friend you got there? Oh, this is my little one. This is Riley. She's uh she's all of four months old. This is my little sidekick. Well, we're gonna drop Perfect. bombs for Riley one time. There you go. Uh, little baby bombs. <laughs> Look like she about sleeping, but she's famous too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's all she's all that uh our heart revolves around right now. This is uh, this is what, what it is. So she wants to sleep in daddy's arms. That's all right. <laughs> there you go. You'll see my yeah. three running around laps around me here in a little bit, I'm sure. That's right. So uh, to kick everything off, you know, for those in the in the, the chat and everything, our viewers right now, that, that might not really know who you are, could you give us a, a brief in, in, you know, intro and a little introduction about yourself, sir? Well, man, if don't nobody know who I am by now, I must not be doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. But no, my name is Leaf Nemo. I am a, I originally hail from Texas. I moved up to uh, Minnesota uh, in 2019. Funny story, I was working for Mikan at the time when I met my wife, and I thought, well, this is great. I'll move to Minnesota. I'll be closer to the, uh, the uh, home office, and this is just all going to work out just fine. And then a bunch of things happened, an opportunity opened up, and ended up going to anarchy. So here we are, fast forward. So well, part of Texas. Yeah, this is there you go. Dallas. Dallas. Born and raised Dallas, nice. Texas. Yep. Nice. Yep. So how do you uh how you like the uh, the weather change? I mean that's that's a drastic change going from you know, Texas to Minnesota now. You know, I I I played with a team uh extreme from Minnesota for several years. So I got to I got to come up here and kind of sample all the, the different weather. And, uh, you know, even when I had meetings with Mike, and so I wasn't totally, like, blasted by it. Like, I had some time to acclimate. Um, but I appreciate it, honestly, because you get four seasons here and you don't in Texas. It's, like, hot for ten months out of the year, and then it gets, like, stupid cold and windy for two months, and then it's hot again. And it's so unpredictable. So it's cool to have, like, a true fall and a true spring here. Right. For and sure. actually have green grass. It's weird. <laughs> actually the funny thing yeah. is not long ago i was talking to a mutual friend of ours mr michael evans and mikey's family you know all lives down there now in texas and he spent a brief time down there and he went on for about a half hour rant about how he could not handle the heat down there <laughs> you know sleeping with four fans on him and you know over being a very very over exaggerated you know self but well, you know and that's <laughs> a very animated person for sure you know i don't know if my big old self could handle that heat either so i I don't i don't blame him for that but uh so how did you if you don't mind how did you get into the old bat game yeah i mean if you don't mind getting into that a little bit well how much time do we got here i mean much as you want we're on your time yeah this is it's a pretty cool story man so um my background, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, so what I, it's what I am. I, I barely made it out of high school, but I always knew how to turn a, a buck into two. And uh, I got heavily into the Jordan game back in the day when it was good. And uh, I, I hustled Jordan. That's what I did. So I bought and sold and resold sneakers on eBay um, until eventually, the, you know, the Jordan brand would become their own reseller and choke some of the uh, aftermarket guys out. And I kind of saw the writing on the wall. 
And I had a, I had a background in softball when I was in my twenties. I was the idiot freaking outfielder that would have my back on a fence and would throw it without hitting my cut off. And long story short, you know, kids pay attention. I didn't have a shoulder about a year and a half later. So my softball stint was over before it ever started. And, uh, about eight, nine years later, I got back into playing just randomly uh, in the league night, what have you. And uh, it's funny because I got invited to go play uh, in some tournament where you could hit the ball over the 250 fence, but you couldn't hit it over the 300 fence or you were out. Yeah. It was yeah. the dumbest thing ever. I had like this, <laughs> I had this Demarini pinger bat and I was whacking these balls out of the, the big fence. They were like, that's great, but you can't hit those. I'm like, what kind of softball are we playing here? <laughs> yeah. And so then they invited me to, to go hit batting practice one day. And I was like, batting practice? You guys take batting practice, play softball? Like, that That was all a new world for me. And one of the guys handed me an Easton Synergy, like a black and red Easton Synergy. And I took one swing, and I hit the furthest ball I ever hit, and it made the loudest sound I ever heard. I dropped the bat, and I looked at the guy, and I'm like, what is this? He's like, well, this is what everybody swings now. It's composite. I was like, well, where do you get one? And he's like, go down to Plano Sporting Goods. So I left. I went and bought a. Uh, a Mike and Freak Plus. So that tells you how long ago that was. Okay. And and then quickly I learned about Kelly's Ultimate Sports about a, a Jeff Hall, a red Jeff Hall. And then I was like, okay, where else can you go to buy these bats? And it was like nowhere to go buy softball bats. It was all like, it's not like you could go to Academy Sports and buy the top of the line bats. Like it didn't, it wasn't like it was back in the day when the Supercells and the Demarinis were the bats. You could go to any sporting goods store and get them. So anyhow. Right. Learned it was a niche market quickly, and I had just recently sold my Jordan collection and I had a nice little stack. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it out. I'm going to buy 20 bats here, 20 bats there. So I would go through like direct sports, uh, Kelly's. I'd buy bats anywhere I could. And I'd flip them for five, 10 bucks. And that was my way of like sponsoring myself to play on the weekends because I was playing on these teams. You had to pay your own way. And it quickly just turned into an eBay hustle, which then turned into me getting an account with Worth. And then and fast forward, ASP was formed in like 2009. And I did that for 10 years until I sold the company in 19. But it was it was quick and in a hurry. I went from like back of the bed pickup setups on like fold out tables to a full on dick sporting goods on wheels, like traveling hey. selling softball swag and product. That's awesome, man. That's that's all of a story. The old Jordan yeah. game got you there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's funny, man, because like I see these kids now just stomping around in their 11s and stuff. And I'm like, man, back in the day. And I'm like, yeah, back in the, day. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> yeah. You, one random trip to batting practice changed everything. Yeah. Yeah. You, Seriously. You were, you, you were StockX before StockX was out there. Right. Yeah. I, I actually was. The guy, um, I, I kept a, a low profile because there was some, so Dallas is kind of urban and uh, there was some heated releases where people walked in, got their shoes, got their butts stomped and, and then they lost their shoes. They owned their Jordans for all of five minutes. And uh, so I would go in there and I would liquidate every store of every Jordan release so that they were guaranteed to get the next release. And so we had this like this working program where they always sold out and I always cleaned up. And it got a little hectic there. And when I started having to, like, carry a pistol to, like, protect myself because of the craziness, I was like, it's not for new hustle. <laughs> right. So, so you're why nobody could get the 12s when they dropped, huh? Well, yes and no. I got a funny story, got a funny story behind that, man. I was, this, was, uh, this was a 13 release, black and red 13s when they retroed them. Yep. And 
I walked in, so I would hit every store. I'd go like in order, like foot action, foot locker, finish line champs. Like I would make that clean sweep. And uh, I walked into foot locker and this kid's like standing there. He's all like dejected, man. Like he got there late. And he's like, man, all they got is seven and a half left or something like that. And I was like, what size you wear? He's like 13. I was like, about a seven and a half. He's like, what? I said, about a seven and a half. I'll be right back. So I run out to the to my stash. I grab a 13. I walk back in there and I said, here, I'll swap you. He goes, really? You would do that? Because, you know, the 13 is going to grab major coin, right? Yeah. Holy I said, yeah, it's no big deal, man. He goes, dude, that's so awesome. He goes, man, there's some dude named Nemo. He comes in here and he buys all the shoes, man, and can't nobody get their size. I was like, yeah, that dude's asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I love I it. I just left. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, you now, fast forward, you're getting in, into the old bat game. Well, you know, you start ASP, ASP starts taking off. How did you get go into getting your first exclusive with ASP and what was that? Uh, so the, oh man, well back in, nobody knows this, but if you go on eBay right now, you can find it. Cause I just decided to get rid of all my stuff sitting in the vault. But way back in 09, we did a back called the psycho special edition. And here recently ASP retroed it with the two piece updated, um, model, but it was the psycho special edition. Nobody remembers it. It was exclusive ASP. It didn't even have ASP on it. But the first bat that made noise for ASP was the freak ASP, the black one with the sticky barrel. Gotcha, gotcha. I feel like I that's know what bat that is. That's when it all took off. And then we followed that up with an all-white, legit limited with the white and gold and rest of history, man. Dude, I remember back in, like, either 2013 or 2014 – Easton was killing it, and the one of the most sought-after bats was the, the OG 100H. 100H, and, yeah. And you did like your spin, uh, the ASP spin of that. Yeah. Had like I think like a kind of like a camo-looking, you know, barrel. Camo. It's a it's a trademark camo that we built for the company, so that we had our own exclusive look. And that obviously that bat came out before the freak ASP, but you know Easton was in that. Easton was kind of in that like. They weren't quite back yet, but they were getting close. And the 100H kind of like those those series bats, the Helmer, the Purple Wagman, and all those bats kind of started building that momentum for Easton. Um, so we, it's a funny story behind that bat, too, because I actually told Easton, I was like, I'd like to do the 100H, but I'm going to put my spin on it. And they're like, that's fine, but you can't put Helmer's name on it. And I'm like, then what am I? What am I doing here? I had to roll the dice big time. This is unfortunate for my buddy Stu, but I put Stewie Snell's name on it. He's an up-and-coming bomber. The kid had freaking mad pop. Oh, my gosh, he hit the ball and ball. But it put him underneath this microscope. A lot of major players were hating on him because he had his own bat. They didn't understand the backstories. Like, that was always going to be Helmer's bat, but they told me no because Helmer had his name on so many bats. It would have been like a conflict of interest. But sure. – that bat kind of got us on the map, right? But, like, that wasn't the bat that everybody was like, oh, my gosh. And even the next years after that, the ASP, SBE, and the LBE, they were like, all right. But when we finally did that exclusive with Mike and we did that freak ASP, oh, my gosh. Like, that bat's commanding, like, almost $1,000 right now. It's crazy. That's, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you, do you wish you you might have held on to a couple of those now sitting in the old closet? <laughs> So if I took this phone down in the basement, you'll find every number one and every number two. This Nobody knows this, by the way, but I kept every bat that I ever did, the number one and the number two, so that people couldn't hustle my bat, right? So if anybody's going to 
raffle my bat for mad money. It's me, not them. <laughs> so I still got I still got two yeah. of every one of the bats we ever did. Dude, that's awesome. That is that's that, that is, is really smart. cool. So then you obviously leave ASP, start working with Worth Mike and you know, you're with them. How did you make the you know, what made you make the change going over to Anarchy? You know, fast forward now. Dude, it COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so no, honestly, that was that was that is the uh, toughest decision that I have ever been faced with um, since I've been in the industry, and I say that because I'm a loyal person. And uh, I, man, I bled Mike, and I mean that was the Mike and Worth. Worth was the first company I actually ever officially opened up with. But you know, I, I had so many friends there through the years with Mike and, and Worth, and like just like it was beyond business there. It was a family. You know that that company is just in a small town of Caledonia, Minnesota that nobody really knows about. And those people, those are all like the higher up, like they're all like high school, they grew up together. Like they're a family or tight knit. And they kind of like welcomed me in as a Texas guy. So when COVID happened and everybody started getting laid off, it was like, what do you do? You know, like you just got to sit here and bid your time, wait this thing out. And uh, then they brought us back and they were like, we're, you know, we're not gonna be able to do like what we were doing, but you know, we're going to, hopefully get back there and um like it is what it is man i'm not going anywhere I'm, I'm here to help and help us get back to where we were and uh i went to major the, the world that year and i came back with freaking covid as everybody did that year in florida i think that would have been 20 and um i was laying in the basement sick as a dog <laughs> and uh i get a i get a phone call and it was asking me if i had any interest in coming over to anarchy i was like no i'm good i i'm, I'm good i'll be fine uh, everything's going to come back. And, uh, and so I was talking to like the higher up over there at, at Mike and he's like, Nope, don't go anywhere. we got this acquisition coming. Rawlings is going to buy Easton and this is going to be awesome for the company. I'm like, cool. That's what I need to hear. I'm good. And then another a text message came through from a guy out of Canada that I've I never even heard of the guy before. I didn't know who he was. He's like, would you at least consider an offer? Would you at least hear our offer? And then I was like, Oh my gosh, my, my, my loyalty heartstrings are being tugged on here. Like, what do I do? And my wife was like, well, why don't you just entertain the offer? It's no harm in that. And just hear what, hear what your worth is. I was like, all right, I guess I'll do it. So I did. And the offer was legit. And I went back to the, the higher up. Like, Here's what I'm up against. And they're like, well, we can't really tell you anything until the acquisition happens. And I'm like, man, this is a really slippery slope here. I don't know what to do. So I just prayed on it. And I just decided that, you know what, I have an opportunity to be on the tip of the spear with a company that's only five years in or hope that things work out over here in this acquisition. And I've always been a risk taker as an entrepreneur. Like I always believe in, you know, obviously you got to weigh your risk versus reward, but to really reward yourself, you're going to have to take some risk. And I just thought, you know what, if I'm going to bet on somebody, I'm going to bet on myself. And so I made the decision January 1 of last year to come over. And hindsight was the best decision I could have made because as soon as the acquisition happened, people like started losing their jobs and the, the two people that I worked under were the first two people to let go, be let go of. One of them was like a complete like proponent of the acquisition. He's like, just stay here. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to work out. Boom. He was gone. I was like, man, wow. this, this was a, a reason, brother. Yeah. So now let's get into some of the fun stuff here with Anarchy. So, I mean, I feel a lot of, you know, all you, the bat, you know, bat manufacturing companies, they do a little, you know, some press runs. They, they do a lot of marketing and 
you know, flyers, things like that. I know you're very active yourself on social media, but could you, if you, I mean, could help us out here. Could you explain a little like the technology and what goes into, you know, the bats and what, what separates anarchies? You know, we'll start with you trip, you know, line and then, you know, so on and so forth. But sure. what separates that, you know, you guys from everyone else? Um, honestly, it really is. There's a fine line. And uh, especially like right now, everybody's technology is good. You know, maybe maybe five years ago or, you know, like back when Easton was still using their CNT technology before they moved into Fireflex. Or, you know, you think back when Mike and came out and, and Worth came out with those legits, like right in that window, like they, man, they hit the gas and they, they created separation. But now it's like when 240 happened, the 240 era started, the game started over. And everybody was back on the like on the start line, right? So you, you really have a bunch of companies that are all really good at what they're doing. And I honestly believe that I could I could perform well with any company's bat. I, I just I feel confident in that. What separates the anarchy, I believe, from the rest is creative marketing and creative design. Um, you know, I feel like it, let's just say for U Trip, for example. I mean, you could you could go any five ways you want, and you could ask five different people and get five different answers on what they think is the best bat. Obviously, with my anarchy hat on, I'm going to say the anarchy is the best bat. I had a lot to do with the R&D and bringing the HyperX technology to the forefront. It is not even close to the same bat as our 220 bat. It's way better, um, and if we had a lot of room for improvement. So we were able to really accelerate our growth curve there and in the senior market, too, because we didn't even have a senior bat until I came on board. So boom, boom, like – get to plus two, you know, I, areas where we weren't even in. Now, our ASA technology is phenomenal. And the people argue it's either monster or anarchy. Now, when I go around the country traveling, going to different events for ASA, I still see predominantly monster bats being swung. So that tells me we got a ton of room for growth there. But the only difference in technology really is how those inner barrels are placed, whether they're floating or whether they're fixed. And there's only so much you can do to change your technology and still be within the scope of legal, right? So then there's that. So, I mean, so far we've had guys like Phil Maddon, Austin Dahl, you know, they're, they're you know, both have their own signature lines out. You know, one with Suncoast, the other one with Dean Marini. And it was kind of cool listening to, you know, some of these guys talk about, you know, Austin talking about what went into, like, what he likes in the bat for his signature line. And what, you know, Phil, Phil really was, you know, went into detail about, like, he enjoys the alloy handle because he wants, you know, the stiff handle, yada, yada, yada. Um, but, you know, when you're out here and you're, you're putting this all together, how, like, how, what is the length of time before you guys are settling on bats and so on and so forth? What, you know, what is really going into all of that? Well, last year it was, a, it was a crash course because I came on officially January 1, and we all know that bat next year's bat sales are already cranking up. Like everybody's already out with their newest, their latest, and their greatest. And here we are still trying to R&D our new 240 design. So we really like hit till our hands bled, like literally uh, we'd hit till we were in pain to get what we felt like was a winning product that would, that would pass the 240 standard. And all that being said, in, in the big picture, like probably 90% of your consumer, your consumer, not, not softball players, but your actual consumer that actually buys bats don't play where bats are tested so everybody's rushing to 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 make this bat that has to be at this standard that majority of these players don't care about because they're going to go grab their 220 bat and play as long as they can so 
uh, it was it was a it was a very uh, short window of time to be able to create. Generally speaking, you're literally working. You should be working on next year's designs. You know, at least six months to a year in advance. Sometimes even more, because it does take a lot of R and D to figure out. You got two components: performance and durability. And then you got to make sure both meet the expectations of your consumer, and still pass the test. So, it could be, could be pretty, um, could be a pretty long process, and it also be a very expensive process because if you fail a test, you don't get to get to retest. You got to pay again and pay again and pay again. And so then you got to be like, all right, well, how many times do we push the envelope? You know, bigger companies have it to do. Um, smaller companies play it safe, you know, because they can't afford all that hit to their budget before they ever get a product off the shelf to sell. Right. So what, what is your, I mean, I don't know if anyone, what is your thoughts on the switch from the 220 to the 240? Um, you know, I didn't think there was anything wrong with the 220 bats. I felt like they could have just changed the ball. I know nobody's going to love this answer, but if you were to put the 52 in play, it really levels the playing field because, you know, it doesn't get into the barrel the way that these heavier balls, I say heavier balls, like, you know, your pro-ams, your classic ams, the way that the 52 does. The 52s, by design, created to um, not really put the amount of pressure on a barrel creating the trampoline, uh, which is why, you know, you have these different designs to hit the 52. I, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. I got to look at it from a business perspective, too. Like just being as transparent as possible. That's who I am. Like if you're allowed to keep using the same old stuff, why would you have, why would you buy anything new? Right. So then you got to think about that from a sales. Can't you see I'm on some, something really important here. Don't you call me and I got to hit the hero button. Anyways, pardon me. Um, That's okay. uh, Yeah. So, I mean, you got to think it from a sales aspect too. Like, you know, I think Honestly, my honest opinion, it should be safety first. And the 220 bats in combination with the class skin balls, especially in the early part of the season, were dangerous. But then they rolled the pro M ball out without the 240 bat. And that was even scarier. I don't know if you guys saw any of that a couple years ago, but some of those balls and the, the flight patterns that those pro M's were taking off those 220 bats were freaking scary. Like you had center fielders charging line drives and they would take another path and then they're turning around running and picking it up off the wall because the ball just cut a different angle. So I don't think it's a perfect system yet. I think they're getting close. But, um, you know, again, you got to look at what is your consumer, your majority, and it's not the conference. So I have to keep that in mind when I'm designing bats or R&D and bats. Like, it's not for me. Like I, A bat that fits my swing is like a 28-ounce one-piece with weight on the end. That's, that's minority, like – Phil Matt, he's a violent swinger. He needs uh, an aluminum handle to keep up with that barrel or else his barrel's going to flex so bad because his, his, his hands are so strong and he rips it through the zone so fast. So does that really equate to most most people? No. You know, if you've got an aluminum handle or a super stiff handle and your, your D or E guy picks it up and he swings and he misses it and it bites his hands because of the feedback, he's done. He's never going to swing that bad again. So no it's a... Uh, there's there's a lot of different layers to it. If that answers your question, a hundred percent. And I, you know, yeah, thank oh, you yeah. for that. My next, you know, the feed, and you kind of get a little further into that. You know, I th- a question that drives me crazy is when someone goes on on like a, a page and says, "Hey, what is the hottest oh. bat out right now?" Or, 
you know, what, what bad, it's like, cause to me, it's like everyone's swing type is going to be, you know, much different than each other. If you were, were talking to, you know, a young man or young lady coming into the E or D level starting off, what would you suggest to them on how, their approach on how to pick a bat, what bat they should go after? Well, there's a couple of variables that you have to consider size and strength and, and just, uh, or do they have a functional swing? You know, um, a lot of people have the misconception that that the barrel is too soft. It's actually the handle flexing, so you're getting pushed on the handle, not the barrel. Uh, it has to do with with hand speed. Like if you have exceptionally fast hands, 90 mile an hour plus. I'll use Phil Matt for example again. You know, like he he needs that heavier. He should want that heavier bat with that stiffer handle because. A, he's nails, he doesn't miss. And and B, like his hands are just so fast. But like if you have somebody with a, a 70 mile an hour swing, to give them a, a super stiff handle would be counterproductive. They might need a little flex in the handle, get a little whip to get a little trampoline effect on the ball versus, you know, that big stiff handle that they just they just don't have anything enough forward momentum going to get the performance that they want. Awesome. Like that's I think that I mean to me, it's like you know, the the shorter barrel, the the longer barrel, the the different end loads, the the flex. I don't think a lot of the the average consumer, the actual softball player, really looks into very much of that. I think they're just going off of word of mouth of what's you know, hey, this this bat's great this year, and they're just going to pick whatever up you know people are saying. Which sometimes it works great, and then sometimes they buy a bat, like you said, they they take. 30 swings from it and they're like this this thing's trash they're ready their, to ex- the their experience is totally different because <laughs> they based it off the narrative of somebody else who's either you know they had a they had an agenda or they just had a pro you know like it, it it's very hard to find somebody to review a, a product and be transparent and be honest and, and that's that's why i love what i do because i want people's feedback good or bad if all I heard was good feedback about our product, then there would be no room for improvement. And then somebody's going to pass us by and we'll never know it because we're not listening to, you know, the, the voices that are the consumer. We're just going about our business because we think we make great product. That's very arrogant and cocky. And uh, so, you know, to, to like for a, to answer your question again about like a new player coming in, I, you know, really they would in a perfect world, they would have an, an assortment of bats to try, right? Like that's where those, uh, demos and what have you come in hand you know majority of your ball player wants a 12 inch barrel half ounce end load the statistics show that but different strokes for different folks some people prefer a longer barrel some people prefer a balanced bat you know so you try to have a little bit of everything to offer everybody uh knowing that you're not going to make everybody happy you're never going to make every single consumer happy but you just try to meet the majority of the demand and you know, uh, hang on when things are good and, and push when things are and uh, hopefully sell out of your bats by the end of the year so you can move on to the next year. That's where that uh, a $300 bat won't fix a $3 swing comes into play. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's funny you say that because we we launched our, our first senior bats this year. And one of the, the, the authorities of senior softball review gave it a bad review because he couldn't swing it because he couldn't swing it. And it was funny because Cal, who's my, my senior guy, he's 57 and still hits it out of stadiums, has no problem hitting it. I have no problem hitting it. Nobody else has a problem hitting it, but it didn't fit his swing. So he gave us a bad review. And I'm like, beats their own. It is what it is. 
You know, majority say the bat's great. I'm going to go with the majority. Real, real quick, because uh, I'm starting to see questions pop up. Uh, if you are still watching, um, we have a good amount of viewers right now. Please like Thank the stream, you. like the page, share the stream. Um, if you're new to softball or you're still trying to figure out your swing, make sure you're paying attention. Um, as for questions and stuff like that, uh, we will ask questions that you guys have at the end of everything. I don't want you to feel like you won't get a chance to get your answer. Just be patient. Just just take this all in and be patient right now. Hey, I'm totally leaning on y'all because I can't see none of this stuff on my phone. It's super tiny. Maybe I'm getting old. I don't know what's going on. No, here, we'll, but... we'll take care of you, man. No, we got here you. <laughs> so I, I do have some. How do you feel about them basically enforcing the 240 for the conference and letting that drag on for everyone else? Do you see that starting to. Is there. I mean, there's been rumors I've heard that this year for Worlds, everyone's going to have to start switching over. You know, yeah. is there any kind of date? Could you help us out with that at all? Nothing's confirmed, but it's going to happen sooner than later. And again, full transparency. Um, first of all, it's the right thing to do. Like, I feel like there has to be a stop dead date, right? Or else these 220 bats are going to continue to be in circulation. Um, if that's where we're headed, let's just go ahead and get there uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it's safer, and two, it's going to spike sales. I mean, just honestly speaking, from a from a manufacturer standpoint, uh, if everybody's got to buy a new bat, that's going to boost sales. That being said, there are dealers who went heavily into the 220 uh, buying window when they could because, you know, that was all announced at the time. Uh, you also have to understand that people have severely been misled. I'm going to clear that real quick. There's a way big difference between indefinitely and forever. There is no forever grandfather. It is indefinite. Indefinite means that at any given date and time, they can decide that there are no more 220 bats allowed for play. That time is coming. It's not going to happen right now. They're going to allow the dealers to offload the inventory that they purchased so much of, and that's the right thing to do. But it's not grandfathered forever. It's an indefinite. And I think what you're going to see is a gradual phasing out, if you will. So like, obviously at the conference level, it started, I believe the B and up was next. And then probably in another year, you'll see it in the C's and then the D's and then the, and so on until they're phased out. I was actually pretty salty about this last year, all year. Yeah. I mean, we we're in a, a B conference team last year and literally all year was, Hey, being above you, at Worlds, you swing on the 240s. Like, probably a month, less than a month, maybe right around a month before Worlds, we get an email saying, oh, now the B is going to be 220s, but A and above. And it's like, well, the vast majority of the, the B teams are going to play in the A, so we're going to have to bring two different bats, or we're going to play at a huge yeah. disadvantage. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I felt as a B conference team, it was a huge slap in the face, because now, like, we could form, spend the money, invest all this money and then i understand you're basically want more teams to come to your tournament so you're trying to appeal to the masses but for the people supporting your your main line product it was kind of a messed up thing so i was not too thrilled with that and you know so be it but um you know like i said you ain't never gonna make anyone happy i didn't think today i'd, I'd be uh dropping the definition for indefinite on us though yeah <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's important that people understand what what it's going to look like. And going back to what you were saying, 
Um, I get it. It's not a perfect system and they're doing the best they can. Uh, you know, I, could things be done differently? Sure. You know, I think, especially when you talk about U trip, you got to look at the amount of movement and things that have happened over a short period of time from the transition from Disney to Vieira to the, then the new ball and then the new bats and all the, there's a lot of things that are going on. Um, I got to give Stroll a little credit that, you know, maybe things aren't to everybody's liking, but that man has got the weight of the world on his shoulders, man. And he is trying to make his the best possible decisions he can. Um, again, it's the masses, right? So um, you're going to always have somebody that's going to find a problem or, or be upset. And that's totally okay. And as long as they're willing to consider and understand that and find a happy median to, to keep their program uh, thriving, then, that's all you can ask for, but uh, I can certainly understand the frustration and I see it both ways. Um, you know, I, I feel like there was some issues with testing early on where bats were ridiculously testing low. That's never been the case before. And then all of a sudden everybody's bats were failing and then there was a retest and then all of a sudden bats were passing. And then there was this theory that maybe it was because of the tables that they were being tested on and so on and so forth. So, Again, credit the Stroll for like bearing bearing all that, withering the storm. I know it wasn't easy, and uh, had a lot of upset people there last year. But it, it's going to smooth it out, and it's going to be for the better of the game that we have a safer bat and ball in place. You know, I actually said that you know being part of the conference last year, watching the game, it seemed like you know the expression you know hitters are going to hit. Yeah, I mean no no matter what. But you could tell there was a little bit of a difference of the game of, you know, some of these guys hitting. But, I mean, the big name, you know, fellas are still, they're hitting their dingers. Their averages are still up. Nothing changed there. But it seemed like there was some more, there, there wasn't so many crazy middle shots and stuff like that. It, ex it exposed some people. You, you <laughs> bet your rear end exposed some people. Good. Good. I mean... So, and also to touch on your, you know, as you were saying, you know, when the 240s dropped, it was like, you know, the race started over. Um, it was kind of crazy to me what, you know, traditionally what you were seeing every year being some of the top bats, you know, every year that people were, you know, sought up, you know, sought after. And all of a sudden the 240s drop and I don't feel every manufacturer was at the equal point, you know, start, and it was some of the bigger name, you know, bats that people are traditionally getting were not performing nowhere near on par. And, you know, you guys, I mean, I had about six, seven guys swing your guys' stuff last year and absolutely loved it. So, and that was like coming out of nowhere because they would, you know, give the 220 a swing and then it was confusing. Like, how is my 240 outperforming my 220? Well, it's interesting you would say that, and I, I love explaining it. So the whole reason why we have this whole standard change, and uh, I have no problem saying it. I don't care if it gets back to him or not. Don Cooper, uh, Easton, y'all's bats were so freaking hot. The Fireflex bats were so freaking hot. They weren't just failing. I mean, they were getting down to like in the 160s with zero delamination, zero cracking, um, zero, you know, any kind of failure. And that's scary, you know? And so he recognized that. And, and Coop has a, a big role in what goes on with the U-Trip. And he's a, he's a very smart guy, by the way. A lot of people don't understand just how smart he is. He is the bat guru. Nobody knows more about bats than Don Cooper. 
Um, and he recognized that and they had, they had a problem. So they went valid and then they corrected it. So you got to look at it like this, Mike and East and worth, they were the trendsetters for, for a long time, right? They had the hottest bats in the market, especially when Easton came to the fireplace. They had to, they had to dial it down quite a bit, right? Like you have to, you have to dumb your technology down. We had the opposite problem. Our bats were 325, 350 out of the wrapper. Some of them, you know, it reminded me of the old Eastons back in the day, the CNTs that you could beat them to death before they'd finally open up. And so we had a bunch of room for improvement. And so that's where you see, like, I'll use another company, for example, Louisville, where did they come from? I mean, they were, they were on like life support there for a couple of years, right? After the, the Z3s and the Z4s and the Z5s, just like they got worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And all of a sudden they come out of nowhere with lightning rods, right? I mean, everybody's talking about the Genesis bats. Let's just be honest because they had so much room for improvement. And so I think that a lot of people have misunderstood like what's going on. It's not like the, the titles have changed or the big dogs aren't the big dogs. It's just we had a ton of room for improvement, and they had they had a ton of room for improvement the other way, and so it balanced out the playing field, I think. Um, and you're right. Listen, hitters are going to hit. Doesn't matter. Uh, when we were talking about the border battle earlier, uh, you know, when Monster came out with their technology, it, it was a game changer. I mean, you had guys hitting 52s, 400 plus feet out of the stadium, and, you, and then you had KP, who's arguably the best softball player on planet Earth. Still hitting him out of the stadium, but he wasn't hitting the balls like some of these other guys were. And it was just the difference in the technology. You know, now they've caught up with their technology and it's it's one of the same. So it's it's interesting because I like you said we talked about hitters will hit no matter what you put in their hand. It may not go four hundred and fifty feet, but it'll still go over the fence. It's the guys who, you know, flick one out of there and they're shouldn't be flicking them out of there and then they have to swing this new technology and their routine pop-ups that's when it that's when it gets real yeah uh, us being from up here in michigan it's kind of funny because you know back in the you know we we talked about liberty park there for a few minutes you know before yep. we all got on here and you know we would play tournaments here like our normal you know ed and c tournaments forever up here we're just we would use hot dots and then all of a sudden we went down to worlds and they throw in this rock hard ball and it was like a completely different game for us and people are like oh my god yeah exactly <laughs> people are freaking out and it's like well you know we're used to hitting yeah. socks up here like this this is awesome like so it was you know a positive thing for us because we were yeah i mean to us we we're we, we didn't get to do that all year um so i i could see why there, there's such a you know conversation on on bats and balls and what was the happy, you know, point of everything? Um, yeah, I mean, hell, if what was, I mean, that's kind of what all it was about. Where Carl versus Rick did the whole uh, war by the shore. Yeah, a couple of years ago. I mean, that's kind of what that was all about. And it was kind of crazy to see, you know, Rick having this crazy, you know, team out there. These, you know, all star guys. And I'm not saying that Carl's team wasn't, but it's like. If on paper you're thinking like, man, these guys are gonna be kill these guys, yeah, yeah, and it wasn't like that at all, right? You know, so that, that's kind of wild. So yeah, what... the technology can definitely level the playing field both ways, right? And so it's been interesting to watch the progression of technology on both sides, uh, ASA, USA, and with U Trip, um, and now with senior 
bats. Like it's scary to think that a guy at 40, my, a guy my age, my size can swing a senior bat. It's just dumb. It shouldn't happen. I think it should be 50 and up. Um, somebody's going to die. And I think that, uh, I hope that's not the case, but like, I just, I feel like you're at your strongest and your most accurate at that age. Like you got all this freaking wisdom, you know, like years of, of practice and BP and knowing where to put the ball. Now you're going to put a lightsaber in these guys' hands. Like that's crazy. <laughs> so one of my last questions before we switch over, start asking some questions from the chat. You know, you've played all over the country, obviously. You've been to the ASA tournaments. You've been to U-Trip tournaments. You know, what what are some of your favorite tournaments and events you like to go to every year? Uh, snowball, number one. I'm a bit salty about that because it actually oh. snowed this year, and it canceled. <laughs> Dang. They call yeah. it a snowball tournament, and they canceled because it snowed? Just in case anybody's paying attention, <laughs> I allegedly changed the date so guys could make the Challenge Cup. I will not ever do that again. So... <laughs> Just so you know, snowball date will not ever change again. I don't care when the Challenge Cup is anymore. Uh, that is the one tournament that we all get together as buddies. Um, we've played as Billy Bob's band forever. A bunch of us Texas, uh, Oklahoma, Louisiana guys, and we have a few guys fly in. Uh, we've ran the gamut of that tournament. Um, you mentioned the Evans. Danny Evans, Mikey's brother, used to try to put teams together to, to compete with us. And I think the last time he, sh- he made an appearance, it was 52 to nothing before he walked off the mound. Jesus. <laughs> I would have so, walked off before I got on the field at that point. Shit. It's one of the best like beer tent circuit tournaments I've ever been a part of. Uh, and I love it. And it's festival style. It's, it's open. It's unlimited. It's just a good time. Um, you know, Obviously, the Smoky, like everybody loves the Smoky. It's unlimited. But, you know, I'll tell you about a tournament that I thought was wild, and it's in y'all's backyard. It's the Fin Camp. I don't know if that's still going on or not. Oh, yeah. That so, is an absolute spectacle, man. So, oh, Fin great. Camp has some competition up here now. Uh-oh. So, there's there's a tournament uh, called the Bavarian Festival in Frankenmuth in June every year. Yeah, and we, we, we coined it a couple years ago because all of a sudden – Everyone starts showing up to this thing. I mean, we look over and Steel Lewis and a couple guys from Canada are here, and it was just like because it's open rosters. It's just you sure. know they have a men's and a women's, and before we knew it, you know it's just a festival ASA tournament, and it would be the most competitive tournament in the state of Michigan, both men's and women's wise, and everyone's looking forward to it. It's a weekend long in June, and it's it's kind of crazy because it's like. 280 foot fences and mid Michigan and it, people absolutely love it though, man. They come up here and you know, people are drinking, having a good time. It's just uh, you know, a lot of tournament teams will do it there, but then a lot of buddies will get together and, and throw stuff in there. So it, it's kind of crazy. That that's Finn Camp. I think they is uh, their rivals now. Yeah, Finn Camp. I mean, I never even heard of it. We got bounced early one year at Detroit, and Greeny picks me up. He's like, "Going to Finn Camp." I'm like, "What's Finn Camp?" He's like. We're going to fan camp. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to fan camp. You know, and a couple buckets of beer later, and, you know, unlimited arc and no fence, and just, I'm just like, I'm yeah, just, no fence hitting them into the woods. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'd rather play this. This is great. This is <laughs> awesome. so, it's like sand you know, baseball. It, it basically what it is. Um, there's another one called the Halloween Howl in Clovis, New Mexico. That's my second favorite. Um, love that event. That That's like my second home, Clovis, New Mexico. 
Those people are great there. There's an unlimited home run tournament in the mountains of Rio Dosa, New Mexico. That is a blast because you gain 50, 100 feet on every ball you hit. It's so crazy. Um, I just like the festival. In fact, when I'm done with this thing here soon, this serious softball thing that I do, I'm going to just do beer tents. It's a high bucket list for me. Uh, the Metro in Cincy, apparently it's like two weeks long. Like it's insane. I want to try that out. And, uh, you know, accepting invitations to other beer tent circuits. I mean, we'll work some out this year. You come down and go, we'll go put some in for the Muth Major then. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, I'll, I'll be a, a third, I'll third <laughs> base coach because I've never been to it. It's, uh, you know, for us, I agree, man. It's, it's at the root of everything. I mean, the whole expression beer league softball, you know, that's what league softball. Most guys, when they get into it, you know, they don't know what tournament softball is. You know, I mean, they're kind of like, well, you guys play like sanctioned serious stuff on the weekends. And then it's like yeah. trying to explain to them. And then, you know, you get the kid out of that, you know, played college ball or, you know, big, big travel ball kid. All of a sudden he gets out there and it's like, you touch on it. I think it touches on their, you know, their youth growing up and that, that sure. sparks that fire and all of a sudden they're hooked. Yeah. That's what I was going to yeah. say. That's the best way I could explain it to people about what on the tournament side of everything was like, just think of when we played baseball, when we were younger, going to tournaments on the weekends. It's basically that, but we're grown up. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you like when I very first learned about, so I, as a kid, my uncle played softball. So this is why, I throw the ball left-handed and bat right-handed because I just naturally thought you're supposed to bat right-handed because everybody batted right-handed. So I uh, I started playing softball for Discount Tire Company's league night team. And then they said, we're going to go play state. And I'm like, well, what is state? And they're like, it's a tournament. I'm like, wait a minute, there's more than one game? I'm like, yeah, you play until you lose two. And I'm like, on the, on the weekends? They're like, yeah. So I go play state. We go two and two. And I'm like, I got to quit my job because we work on Saturdays and I want to do the softball thing. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> so yeah. you're right. A lot of people don't understand what tournament ball is. And then take it a step further. We try to explain people like, like I'll go to the, like most of the time it's at the bar or out to dinner. Like people just looking at you, staring at you, trying to figure out who you are. And they'll walk up to you and they'll be like, so wh who do you play for? I'm like, oh, here we go again. You know, they think football or or some sort of like professional sport. And then I got to look at them like, uh, play slow pitch softball. And they're like, so like dejected, like, it's so different. It, you're like, what you played beer league softball. I'm like, ah, man. Yeah. I, yeah. That's yeah. That's yeah, what I yeah, That's a recreational sport. <laughs> that's, I think that's it's, it's crazy, crazy to say that though. It, but the thing about like, you know, I mean, and I think it was, the other night, you know, uh, Flip wasn't on. He was handling his uh, family stuff. And then Grant and I were having a conversation and talking about FaceTime you know, each other. Yeah, yep. basically doing a FaceTime, you know, just talking about some of the, the local teams here for this upcoming year. And we're talking about the, the growth of, like, the women's side of the game. I, I think it's crazy. You know, but yeah. it makes sense because it's natural for them. You know, fast pitch is, is huge. And, you know, finding a home for them. It's just kind of, I think it's catching up for them and it's really catching on fast where I think there's a, you know, I mean, for guys, I think they just think of softball as beer league softball. They don't, you know, that education is still missing out there. Well, it's interesting because you got a lot of guys that are really good at baseball that'll come over. You know, I'll use a few names, uh, Ryan Harvey, um, uh, Stovall, like guys that were really good in baseball. Like Harvey, I'm, a lot of people know this. He was a legit 
first round draft pick, I think number six overall by the Cubs. He struggled with softball. I mean, sure, he could hit it a mile. It took him a long time to learn how to hit the softball and to learn how to play the game and to be able to move the ball around and do the things that it, that it takes. Now he's one of the best hitters in the game, but it, it wasn't it didn't come easy to him. And a lot of guys severely underestimate just what kind of skill set there is in playing this game at the top level and what it takes. And uh, so it's interesting, and it's humbling for him. And I, th- I think it's awesome. Uh, a lot of people don't give it enough credit. Uh, but the women's, now, we'll say this. I don't like watching softball. Like, when we're done, I'm, I'm like, where are we going to eat? I'm a foodie. Where's Waterburger? Let's go. Ooh. But <laughs> – it's but gonna lead great to the next question. Yeah, watching, <laughs> watching women's softball. I watched my wife play. She played the A two years ago uh, with Extreme. They took second. Uh, dude, some of these girls have better mechanics than dudes playing at a, at a high level of softball, and they're freaking not scared of anything. Like you'll see, you know, KP cut a ball down at somebody, and yeah, I'm sidestep that one. And if it goes in my glove, cool. Like, Girls, they stick their nose in front of everything. They don't and, – and for sponsors, like, listen up, sponsors. If you want to really get your money's worth, you can sponsor a competitive women's team. You're not going to have a, all that me stuff going on. They're all in that thing together, and they're they're playing together in the trenches together. Um, so, I don't, yeah, the women's program, it's got a ton of growth potential, and it's it is really neat to watch. Like, some of these girls are legit. Like, they are freaking good, and it's cool to watch. It kind of brings me to a – thing i just popped into my head thinking about like golf drivers how like they have men's and women's would that ever be a thing for softball bats potentially like uh well i think they kind of done that with the 24 and the 25 ounce bats honestly okay. just, i think okay. that you could really do much more like maybe a 33 inch bat or something i don't know like i feel like everything's supposed to be 34 like the, the technology i guess would always be the same i'm I guess. Yeah, yeah i would venture to say yes i mean uh, the, well, here's the problem, right? You go make a women's bat a little bit better, perform better, and then you got dudes swinging it. You know, I mean, so yeah, then, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, it's funny you say that because so years ago, like in the like city county just south of where I live here, it's uh, called Monroe, and it, they're in a, it's all ASA there. So I, yeah, I mean, I have friends, you know, go down there, and all these guys are swinging. You know, D. Marini at the time. That's all. I mean, it was probably like 2013. You know, everyone loved the the J3, flippers. the you know, the flippers and the the yeah, yeah. And the juggies. So, and but there was what was the bat called? Like it was a fast pitch pat, but it was full size and had the ASA stamp on it. I think it was the uh, maybe the Phoenix. Huh. But you would watch these grown men spend all this money buying fast pitch bats just to try to get some damn you know a little bit of advantage. <laughs> Yeah, and I'd be laughing like, man, come on now, like, what, what, what the hell do you need a a woman's, you know, a girl's fast pitch bat? Yeah, I mean, just trying to get some kind of advantage. You are so right though. If they did that, yeah. there'd be dudes out there left and right trying just to get that little extra, you know, hundred <laughs> percent. Because what Demarine I think tried to market that, you know, for a minute too with the mercy, you know, because yeah. they're it's set on their uh, barrel. I think it was, you know. You know, uh, design for uh, women's softball or something like that. Dude, something like I a term remember, like that. I remember playing. I didn't play. I was I was a high five guy. I was with Helmer and the, the Super uh, Laser Vision team. We played in Oklahoma at the Brickyard, and it is a poke to hit that thing out. And this is right when the Mercies came out. And I'm watching the best to ever play the game in Brett Helmer. Like he is absolutely murdering balls. 
to the warning track. And uh, they're, him and Philby and any lefty in the lineup were trying to hide it down the line because it wasn't going. And guys like Chris Terry, some of these other guys that were swinging that little mercy bat, a little 25-ounce mercy bat, flicking it out of there like 400-plus, like it was free. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> what the hell's happening? It was unbelievable. That's awesome. G, it's your yep. time, Bubba. Go on, so get after obviously, it. obviously, yeah, you already touched base on you being a foodie, uh, and you said Whataburger. Um, so I was – my question always revolves around food for the most part before we get into the chat. So I know you were down in Texas for basically your whole life. Uh, give me, like, your go-to, like, meal after a long day of whatever it is that you're doing in both states – Texas and Minnesota. Oh, that's good. That's good. So, I mean, you know, I'm kind of in this preseason getting ready to start carnivore month in March. So I got to be cautious of how I answer this question, but <laughs> if, if it were just regular old, you know, post game, whatever, like, you know, a lot of the times you never know what time I'm going to finish. But I mean, Whataburger in Texas, it's hands down. It's Whataburger. It's, I could eat it seven days a week, five times a day. I'll never get tired of it. I don't care what anybody says. Anybody that thinks In-N-Out is even holding Whataburger's jock straps lost their mind. Uh, <laughs> it's Whataburger. But Minnesota, man, I haven't found a, a go-to yet. But I did do a thing because I just, you know, I have these random thoughts and ideas. I did a spicy chicken taste-off, like, compilation, and I haven't put the video together yet. But I went to every single place that sells a spicy chicken sandwich, and I bought every single one of them. And did my own little taste off, you know, to like see how it compared to Chick Fil A. Oh yeah, Burger King's chicken is hands down the best spicy chicken sandwich on planet Earth. Fourteen year old son, yeah, no agree wholeheartedly with you. What's a fourteen year old son loves the chicken sandwich. The like chicken he, is fire. He, he, he says that Burger King should just call it a wrap and call it Chicken King now because <laughs> that is they by far the, the, the best thing on the menu. They should never make anything else. Just forget everything else. So I have a food <laughs> question for you guys. Have any of y'all been to Eminem's new spot up there, the Mom Spaghetti? I have no. not. Nope. Dude, I gotta try. I'm gonna go to Michigan just to say I, I did. Yeah, I, I I have heard there. that it's not all that though. I did hear that. Really? Yeah, I heard it was just kind of like the hype around it wasn't worth what you actually got or the taste of what you got. I should say. Sure. I, yeah, I heard like you don't order it with bread or something like that. Like. I don't know. M's like, yo, if you don't get it with the bread, yo, and I'm like, I don't know, man. Just get it. <laughs> Dude, we went we went to Vegas this past weekend, and I don't I don't do spicy. I, I can't do hot food. Like it, it does not work well with me. And we went and got yeah, stop, mama. We went and got a uh, Dave's hot chicken, the dumbest thing that for a person like me I could get. And I got the low mild, like light mild, and it was hot as hell, and it was. I thought it would be like a little, you know, colored. This shit was red. It was red. I was, dude, I was so scared. But it, the chicken was really good. Like, I couldn't complain about the taste of it. It was just like, I'm over here, like, drooling in my damn chicken because my mouth was so hot. I felt so weak. I feel like people, like, north of, like, maybe Oklahoma or Arkansas, things change drastically. Like, when I moved up here, like, there's certain hot sauces that don't exist up here. Hot don't exist up here. My wife thinks celery is spicy. In fact, 
ketchup is spicy to her. So, and, and for me, it's like the hotter the better. Like I, I need hot sauce on everything. I need everything to burn. In fact, I made a bat called the hot sauce just for that reason because I love hot sauce. <laughs> I want it to burn. And Dude, I got uh, a, I got something you need to try. Uh, I'll I'll get with you and send you the link to it. My buddy, a softballer friend of mine, Eric Ely, his brother Sean Ely, has a comp- basically it's a it's basically a YouTube TV channel and then they do food reviews. It's called Number Six with Cheese. They have this hot sauce. It's called the Sixer Sauce, and they came out with a hotter version of the Sixer Sauce. I get it on a monthly subscription. That's how good it is. You got I'll get you, I'll get you a bottle of it. I'll send I'm you. In. I'm in for sure. I am not uh like I like a little flavor. I'll say that, but I'm world. I'm not food. trying to get get crazy, you yeah. know, with with the spice. I mean, I'm a flip on that, but you know, as because like jalapeno and stuff like that's got great flavor but you, you don't have to like get crazy with it but i you know people go get these wings and stuff on the hottest they can get it i was just like what are you doing like how is that enjoyable for you eating something this hot like sitting there sweating looking yeah. all uncomfortable <laughs> you know it, it does it, it, it does get to a point to where it's like what's the point right like you can't even taste it it's so hot like I know when Buffalo Wild Wings came with her Carolina Reaper sauce, like that's freaking fire. Like you're legit in pain, but I did it because I could say I did it. In fact, I got one of those chip challenge things. I still need to do in here. I haven't done yet, but oh, the old uh, uh, Dial or I forgot what it's called. Ghost pepper. Chip? Go, yeah. Well, you got the Reaper and the Ghost Pepper. Yeah, yeah Reaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know, for me, any place up here that has you know cheese curds or thing up here. So I'm a, yeah, I'm big a time. big, like, I'm a cheese curd, like, professional now that I've moved up here. In fact, I'm going <laughs> to let y'all in a little, uh, uh, on a, on a pro tip. If you, first of all, they have to be, I always ask, are they fresh or frozen? If the answer's frozen, I'm out. But if they're fresh, then you, then you don't get whatever sauce they offer. You either get like a Thai sweet chili, or if you're ready for this, get, get caramel, get a cup of caramel. If they got caramel and dip your cheese curds in caramel. Wow. Really, unbelievable! It's like steak <laughs> fair, like funnel cake. Good, it's ridiculous. Oh, wow. All right, phenomenal. And you'll never <laughs> believe where, you never believe where I got that pro tip from. My buddy in Texas. How does that even happen? Yeah, dude. I remember when I was 18 years old. Yeah, I mean, I, I go to work and we hired this gentleman. He's Hispanic and he's sitting there eating a piece of watermelon at lunch and he's pouring chili powder oh, on chili his powder. fruit. And I'm sitting there looking at him, and go, what are you doing, guys? Like, and he's just sitting there. Every day he'd get some kind of, like, you know, uh, fruit, something real sweet. And he'd be <laughs> I'm about that life. Hey. There you go. <laughs> I was, you know, I mean, it's to me, I was like, what is going on? But, yeah, this stuff people. This tagine. We got that. We got that here. My wife likes it. Hold on. I'm about to, I'm about to, I'm about to show you what you need to get. I'll be right back. Hold up. <laughs> we'll uh for people asking questions once he comes back we'll uh we'll Scroll jump into the bit. i think there was some in the beginning maybe yeah, there was I, a good one i saw i can't remember there it was. Yeah. yeah he's going to pull something out the top shelf for Ooh, us this is, i got i got a good right. one too jose's is a great one this one right here this is chamoy, chamoy. it's like a wow. liquid you yeah. pour it you pour it on all your fruit game over <laughs> So, I just, I just wow. ruined y'all's, I just ruined y'all's lives with that one. That's hilarious. So I, don't, I, don't, I wonder if they sell that here. 
You, yeah, I it. found it up here, so they got to sell it there. Honestly, it's really good on like uh, anything like mangoes, pineapples. I'm from Texas, man. We got chili on everything. But if you'll right. take this, mix it with like some crystallite lemonade, and get you like a berry flavored vodka, and pour that in there. Jeez. All right, I'm I'm down yeah. to try it. I'll give it a whirl, man. I ain't scared. <laughs> I got All food hacks, for days, boys. <laughs> yeah, literally. So flipper. Yeah. So to jump into the uh, the the uh, viewer questions, and I'm gonna flip one of these here when we get to it because I just thought about that. Who they want? Uh, Stan Grunis wants to know how can bat companies improve their accessibility for consumers to demo their products. That's a great question. Um, and it's quite the effort. So um, there's events that um, you'll that we'll go to, and I'll take a, a demo stack of bats with me. Uh, there's been times where we have like a grassroots movement where we'll put a demo pack together regionally and like send them around to different events. But honestly, I think it comes down to like getting people involved at the local level to have like demos or spring training camps or like for you guys and me right now, like get inside a dome and invite people to come out and try it before they buy it. And uh, that's what I do. I, I put the players, I put, I put the players in front of the bats and let them try it so that they can, they, they don't have to listen to me tell them how good it is. They can go out there and try it themselves, but it's just not that easily, easily accessible. And it's, and it logistically it's expensive, you know, having to ship those bats all over the country. It adds up. Right. Yeah. I'm sure of it. Cause I was going to say the only way for the only way I've ever, you know, found out how bat was good was hey man i see you're whacking with that can i try it yep oh yeah it turned out i like it maybe i'll go get one like there's you yeah know, there's no way there's just just be just be cautious of the guy that runs back and stuffs it back in his bag and won't let you swing it something wrong right. with that yeah. <laughs> that's that gillette well, special it actually, so it actually it happened last year with it's a that good good yeah. <laughs> cap porter had a had a blue 240 and I, I saw him hit it, and I, I was like, yo, let me use that. Can I use that? And he's like, yep, trying to break it in Let's in all season. That's what's up. That's the way it yeah. should be. Yep. Um, <laughs> this one's from Jose Martinez. He wants to know if you'll make a hot sauce-style bat like you did with the beer-style bats. And then here's the other question that kind of ties into it. A hot soup anarchy bat. We should definitely talk. That's a good one because I actually hear the hot soup more in the south, uh, southeast Georgia. I remember hearing that a lot. Soup, you know, they hit one. Yeah. But listen, nothing's out of the question when I'm when I'm at the helm. I mean, I've done some pretty outside the box designs. That's I kind of pride myself on being counterculture. So I've got some pretty cool stuff in the works for this year for 2022, and I'm always taking suggestions. I am never going to not listen to people's suggestions. So I know we uh we kind of got like, you know, just introduced the other day. But if you haven't like been up to date on what our show is, we have two episodes: Tuesday and Thursday. Today's King Seat. Tuesday's actually called Hot Soup. So if you want suggestions, bam, bam, tight little logo. We yeah, got. you know, it's a cool <laughs> logo. It's pretty sweet. Uh, I mean. Nice little viewer base over here. You know, we might be able to do something with you. And, uh, shoot or shoot your shot. Yeah, and one of, <laughs> one of your friends, uh, this one's from Kyle Slicker. He wants to know the average time it takes for you to text back. That's a great question, Kyle. And <laughs> to that, I would answer, um, if you're keeping track of the amount of time that it's taking me to text you back, you're, you're wasting valuable time. 
There's a lot of other things. (laughs) Get your ass in the gym. Go work on something beside your thumbs. Quit texting me because there's 97,000 people texting me. No, Slicker's a great dude. I love that guy. And uh, he's he's one of our ambassadors. He does a great job uh, with the brand. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he does this year. He's motivated and he's he's coming off that hand injury from last year. So I think he's gonna he's gonna put up some big numbers this year. He hit a double last year in uh, Columbus and I, I told him he sucked as he got to second base and he gave me a middle finger. So if I uh <laughs> if I ever buy anarchy, it's not from him. <laughs> <laughs> I l- I love that his his famous moment last year on LDW's like little highlight films was the kid in uh, at the Smoky making the the highlight diving catch when he hit that home run and that kid laid out to make the catch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fan. That's that's Slicker's highlight last year. Some kid showing him up in the outfield, snapping him off. The outfield. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Maybe next time. Uh, Matthew. No fly zone. It, it, Matthew Clark wants to know about a balanced ASA anarchy and heavier weights. Uh, well, it, so yes, uh, the answer is yes. We're working on that. In fact, it's really funny. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little product drop way in advance. We were in meetings in December, December the 3rd, actually. And we had a guy speak up and he said, your bats aren't as good as Mike and Worth's bats. And I'm like, Come again? He's like, your ASA bats, they're not as good as Mike and Worth bats. I'm like, well, I don't expect that from, you know, from any other manufacturer, maybe Monster, but Mike and Worth, like, I feel like our ASA bats are pretty good. He's like, well, you don't make one that's like 12 inch and balanced. And I'm like, we don't. He goes, no. I said, well, what if I did? Would you try it? So I did. We made a, we made a bat. We made, oh man, I'm setting myself up here, but it is what it is. We made a bat, a sample. We sent it to him. He goes and swings it. Everybody swings. Everybody loves it. Like, he's raving about this bat. So I took a step further, and I designed the bat. I called it AI12321 for 12-3-21. The day we got artificial intelligence from somebody who said our bat wasn't as good. It wasn't that it wasn't as good. We didn't offer it in his preference of barrel and weighting. So we did. And, and so to answer his question, anything's, anything's open for discussion. You know, I mean, obviously, we couldn't make – every single bat and every single weight and every single balance point. But, you know, if there's enough demand, we'll do it. So I need everyone to spam the comments that the hot soup (laughs) bat has to be off the bench hot soup. Yeah. That is, we will get the demand. We will do that. Well, what's that old saying? If if you build it, they'll come. Oh, dude, I've been saying that about my softball teams for the past three years. (laughs) Well, the great thing about the great thing about Anarchy Bat Company is something we pride ourselves on is we don't make major production runs of anything. We've never made a bat more than 500 units, and in fact, most of the time, you know, our our production runs are 300, uh, 300 minimum, 500 max. But everything is super limited, and it creates that uh, that niche uh, demand and, and and scarcity uh, for our product, and so. Even if we did take a chance, we rolled the dice on something, it, it would be worth it. You know, I mean, worst case scenario, they stole half of them and dumped the other half. And we could say we tried, but never scared to try and never scared to get outside the box and try to meet everybody's demand. And you never know, you might stumble on something, right? Well, I just so we're aware, uh, before I get to the last question I got, uh, I just sold two hot soup bats to Bobby Watson in a matter of 10 seconds. I'm not saying I'm the best salesman. <laughs> I'm just saying I haven't found one better than me yet. That's all. Two down, oh two down, 298 to go, man. We're, we're moving stuff here. We, we can do this yep. all day. This is light work. 
Um, my my last one is uh, and it wasn't asked in the chat. It was actually sent to me. Um, you guys just dropped a bat called the Jackalope. Um, and you were putting uh, there's like the sales top sales guys names on there, and one of them is Kent, and he said you might have a funny thing that goes along with his name on there. This is great, man. I tell you what, I have a newfound respect for Kent. You know, this is, I'm glad he messaged in. This is a great story, okay? Because, you know, there are times where you're faced with challenges and things don't go right or you just, just things need to be corrected. And uh, I made an executive decision on a bat because of the timing that I wasn't putting the sales reps' names on the bats because I wanted to get them into the queue and get them produced and made. And it pissed some guys off. One in particular, you can't. Kent Robinson, he was not happy with me. He said I was a prick and that I effed them out of their bats. Jeez. And I said, you know what? Nobody calls me a prick and gets away with it. But, <laughs> but I got to remedy this situation because there was two bats. There was the jackalope and the purge. And the guy who was in charge of the purge and his nine reps is totally understanding and totally cool about it. And he's like, oh, well, that sucks. But maybe next time. The Jackalope group was not happy with it, and I met, I made a mistake and said, well, that, you know, that this was the way it was going to happen, and they, like, screenshotted our conversation and showed it back to me where I had already made, like, I guess I told them I, they had to go through Rick to get the approval, and they got the approval, and I had already pushed forward. It was on me. I screwed up. So I needed to fix it. So what I did was I went back to the factory and said, hey, I got nine guys I need to take care of because one of them called me a prick. <laughs> And I made nine bats and put all their names on it. And so when the bats came in, I individually pulled each one box and taped them all together. When I got to Kent, I made his label. And on the label, I said, Kent, and in quote, the prick Robinson on there. <laughs> and then I took a step further and I, I wrote on his bat, not on the actual bat. I wrote it on the wrapper. I said, uh, from one prick to another, I hope you enjoy your bat. That's awesome. And I box taped it and sent it, and he got it, and he messaged in the group. He's like, got my bat, thanks, great message. My dad's going to be real happy about that while it's hanging on the mantle. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> prank, prank gone wrong. Joke's on me again. So I said, hey, man, get some alcohol in a, in a cotton swab. It'll come off. I hope so. So it sounds like it did. <laughs> yeah. But Kent's honestly, that, here's the thing, man. It, it was the situation that, again, I learned from it. Like, they had a deal in place. I came on board and immediately was put in my lap. Hey, you need to do these bats. I'm like, what do you mean you need to do these bats? I had a very short window of time, and those guys were promised their names on it. I made an executive decision to move forward, and in end all result is I got to make some lemonade out of a lemon, and, uh, and it all worked out. But uh, I'm just grateful that the guys were patient with me in the process because, you know, it took – a long time to get nine bats made with their names on them, but but it but it happened and they look really good. I agree. That's awesome. Great. That's a great story. Yeah, that is it is a great story. It's it, it, I've got a lot of great softball stories. That one will be one of my best softball stories because one of these days, if I haven't met Kent, maybe I have. I meet so many people all the time. We'll be able to shake hands and, and laugh about it over a beer and and uh, and honestly, like I don't. This is the thing. I don't mind people holding me accountable. If I screwed up, I screwed up. I made a mistake. I, I'm human. Just give me a chance to fix it. Well, as much as I want a hot soup bat, I don't think I'm going to call you a prick for it. <laughs> hey, man, I got to give it to him. He's got balls, man, because uh, I'm not a small guy. 
Cat's a good dude, man. And, and I can I definitely see the whole shaking hands over a beer shit because that's his personality. Well, when I when I realized he was from Michigan, it all made sense. <laughs> <laughs> he just needed a hug. That's all. Yeah. He yeah. said he did say in his defense he was a little uh, under the influence when he said it. So. Ah well, it is what it is. When you're under the influence, you speak truth. So again. I'm just happy that uh, that I was able to, to to take a situation that got a little sideways and straighten it out, and and that the guys are ultimately what matters is the guys are happy, um, and, and with the final product, so it's a win-win. Absolutely, for sure. So, Leaf, um, obviously, we all appreciate you taking the time to come on here, man. Uh, a lot of great information on bats. I never realized that bats were pretty much like a science problem. Um, yeah, you know, you just see bats as sticks and they hit balls like i never knew all the background to it so it was very informational i know for me as a coach and uh as a i guess player slash former player whatever um it was a lot of insight that i can give guys when they do ask that question because that question which bat is the hottest always pops up no matter where you are you know my boy gets into softball hey bro haven't played what's the hottest bat i can get so now, you know, instead of just saying, you know, well, I think this bat's great. Not every bat works for everybody. So that, that that's Yeah, it's huge. personal preference, honestly, 100%. especially right now. Everybody's bats are really good. I went – I was in Texas one weekend for a home run derby. I wasn't there to do anything. I would just happen to be there. I was, like, in jeans and a T-shirt. And then the derby got off to a slow start. So the guy's like, hey, man, get out there and hit some balls. I, like, I don't have a bat. I don't have batting gloves. I guess go get the thing started so people get excited. I'm like, somebody throw me a bat. And somebody throws me a bat, and I hit one out. And, All right, somebody throw me a bat. And I was literally, like, hitting a ball out and handing it. And it was a combat, and an Easton, and a Mike, and a Worth. And it just threw <laughs> bats at me. And the, 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 the moral of the story is that all bats are good for the most part. Some are better than others. But right now, the margin for error is not in the technology of the bats. It, it, it is it is 100% not the arrow. It is, right. it is the Indian, right? So I yeah, consider that. All right. Um, so again, man, uh, if, if you guys are still watching, please like the stream, like the page, share it. Appreciate so, it. Yeah, buddy. appreciate all you guys. Subscribe to the YouTube. Uh, it's off the bench live. Um, you're okay. You're okay. Leave, I'll be in touch about that hot sauce. You're gonna love it. Please, yeah, please do. We gotta do this more often. She slept through this whole thing. Like this is amazing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Riley for the nap <laughs> game, dude. Not yeah. playing games. Baby whispers. <laughs> Um, and uh, for, for those who keep up with us weekly, uh, you know, given everything I got going on, um, as of right now, we are still on for a normal Tuesday hot soup at 8 p.m. And uh, we'll see all you guys then, man. Again, Leaf, thanks. Appreciate it more than you know. And uh, hopefully we'll get you back on here soon. Okay, yeah. Anytime. Appreciate it, fellas. Thank you. Yes, sir. Hey, have a great night. Cue the Bye. outro.